This is Optimal Finance Daily, episode 668, How Inertia Can Wreck Your Finances, and Why Don't They Teach This in School, both by Kristen Wong of thewildwong.com. And I'm Dan, the guy who's here each weekday reading to you from some of the very best blogs on personal finance. Today, I've got two posts for you, both of them from Kristen Wong. Uh, We were fortunate enough to meet Kristen at FinCon last year, and hopefully we'll run into her again this year. But before we get to her two posts, you know, hiring is challenging, but there's one place you can go where hiring is actually simple and smart. That place is ZipRecruiter, where growing businesses connect to qualified candidates. Try it for free at ziprecruiter.com OFD. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Now let's get right to our post and start optimizing your life. How Inertia Can Wreck Your Finances by Kristen Wong of thewildwong.com As a journalist with mild social anxiety, I often dread interviewing people in person. It makes me nervous. I worry I won't ask the right questions and I'll look dumb. Don't get me wrong, every time I interview someone, I'm glad to have done it. Not only do I get what I need for the story, but I also learn a hell of a lot from that person, like my interview with Charles Duhigg on the power of an internal locus of control. However, when I get into the habit of interviewing people regularly, I don't get nervous at all. I hop on the phone, ask a few questions, and have a good conversation. Big deal, right? It's only when I haven't interviewed anyone in person for a while that I start to build it up in my head. I get incredibly nervous at the idea of talking to that person. I can't stop thinking about it all day, and I completely freak myself out. Then I do the interview, and once again, I remember that it's not a big deal. My point is, the longer you go without doing something, even something simple, the harder it is to do it. You get too comfortable with inertia, and action becomes a more difficult task than it needs to be. How inertia leads to lifestyle inflation. In this vein, I had a realization the other day. Inertia is why so many of us suck at managing our money. We all know how to budget. It's not that hard, but it's easier to not do it, and then it becomes an overwhelming obstacle. Here's a personal example. Recently, I logged on to Mint to discover my checking account was almost at zero and I had a huge bill due the next day. Holy blown budget. I won't pretend like I'm broke and struggling. I still have savings to pull from. But I've certainly been broke and seeing my near zero checking account brought back some bad memories. I mean, I write about money for a living. I tell people how to budget and I'm usually pretty good at it myself. So what gives? Well, it seems to be our old friend Inertia. For the past month or so, I've taken the anti-latte factor advice a little too far. You've heard about the latte factor, right? It's about cutting back on small expenses and indulgences so you can deflate your lifestyle and save more money. Well, not all personal finance experts agree with this. Keep your lattes, they say. Stop focusing on saving $3 and focus on earning $100,000 instead. It's easy to get carried away with this advice though, and I did. I stopped worrying about little expenses here and there, focused on my work instead, and lo and behold, my lifestyle inflated. Earning more is great, but it doesn't make a difference if you're still spending more than you earn. Think of budgeting as a habit, not a task. Money is a tool, and you should use it on things you enjoy. But there's a huge caveat that comes with that. If you use that tool too often, it's not going to be around anymore, so you have to keep an eye on it. In the back of my head, obviously, I knew this. I knew I was being careless with my budget, so I avoided looking at it altogether. I didn't want to see what my checking account looked like. 
and it always looks worse than you think, which I should have remembered from my days of being broke. When I finally logged in to see a near-zero balance with a bill due, it knocked me on my butt. It's important to learn how to budget and track your spending, but budgeting is a verb, a habit. It's maintenance. Even when you think you've got it down, you might be surprised at how easy it is to forget about the good money habits you've worked so hard to build. Managing your money isn't just about setting up a system you can forget about. It's about checking on your money regularly and being aware of exactly what it does and where it's going. In short, don't let inertia get the best of you. And I will have another post from Kristen in just a moment, but first, thank you again to ZipRecruiter for sponsoring this episode. Hiring used to be hard. Multiple job sites, stacks of resumes, a confusing review process. But today, hiring can be easy, and you only have to go to one place to get it done. ZipRecruiter.com OFD. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience, and then they invite them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. With results like that, it's no wonder that ZipRecruiter is the highest rated hiring site in America. And right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ziprecruiter.com OFD. That's ziprecruiter.com OFD. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Why don't they teach this in school? By Kristen Wong of thewildwong.com. Why don't they teach this stuff in school? I often hear people say when it comes to personal finance. And it's a fair question. In sixth grade, my young and irreverent science teacher wrote on the chalkboard in big capital letters to introduce us to an ongoing lesson in human reproduction and sexuality. We giggled. But no one ever wrote money in big chalk letters when I was in school. I don't remember ever learning about compound interest, how it's your best friend when you're saving and your worst enemy when you're in debt. My mom taught me how to balance a checkbook. My dad told me to never get a credit card. When I opened one in secret, I learned from experience that credit card interest is like a black hole that swallows your entire financial picture if you're not careful. In sixth grade, I didn't learn any of this. But hey, I learned what the cross-section of a p*** looks like. That said, there are organizations dedicated to teaching financial literacy to students, but it's not as simple as people seem to think. A few years ago, I interviewed the president of the Jumpstart Coalition a nonprofit dedicated to financial literacy education. I asked what their biggest challenges are in the classroom. One of them, President Laura Levine told me, is deciding who should teach personal finance in the first place. There isn't a way to identify where all the finance teachers are, Levine told me. If you teach algebra, there's very little debate. That's in the math department. But personal finance might be social studies or consumer science or business. There are a lot more variables, end quote. In other words, personal finance is not just about math. It involves variables like personal habits, behavior, and even circumstance. After all, the money advice that applies to me now didn't mean a thing to me just a few years ago. And the money advice that applies to a high-earning dink couple 
trying to reach financial independence isn't going to be the same advice that applies to a low-income family of four. The bottom line is, we all need financial literacy, but we need a lot more than that to actually get our money in shape. Because, as Levine said, there are just so many variables. We need to feel motivated to figure out what works for us considering those variables. And in order to feel motivated, we also need to feel a sense of control over our finances, and most of us feel the opposite. It's not enough to throw money 101 at people and expect them to figure it out. We have to acknowledge that everyone's situation is different, and with wage stagnation and income inequality, many people face additional challenges that compound interest is just not going to fix. If you're in the personal finance world, I urge you to consider these additional challenges when you write about money. As I've said before, if you want to help people figure out how their money works in the real world, shouldn't you acknowledge how the real world works? And if you're just someone who wants to get their finances in order, remember, personal finance is personal and behavioral. It's important to learn the basics of how money works, but it's crucial to focus on your own thoughts, biases, and feelings around money too. We all know self-awareness matters, but it also goes a long way toward feeling a small sense of control over your money. And sometimes even a small sense of control can make a big difference. You just listened to the posts titled How Inertia Can Wreck Your Finances and Why Don't They Teach This in School? Both by Kristen Wong of thewildwong.com. And that's going to do it for today. Have a great rest of your Wednesday if you're listening in real time, and I'll see you tomorrow where your optimal life awaits.